G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Brand new Christians can learn a lot from those who've known the Lord for a while. But coming up today, Pastor Greg Laurie points out that the help goes both ways. New believers need old believers. Old believers need new believers. Having a new believer in your life can have a reviving effect on you. As they discover truths for the first time, you can rediscover them. You stabilize them, they energize you. This is the day when the lost are found. This is the day for a new beginning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Again, you hear all the angels are singing. This is the day, the day when life begins. There's a good chance you've seen a two-man saw. With handles on both sides, it's a great example of teamwork. One man pushes and the other man pulls, and then vice versa. Well, the Christian life has many examples of teamwork, and today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie helps us focus on discipleship. It addresses the push and pull of daily life as a believer, where a new believer and a veteran believer each have something to offer the other. Discipleship, the next step in following Jesus. So let me tell you some things now that new believers need. And I'm addressing these remarks to two groups of people. Number one, to new believers. But I'm also addressing my remarks to older believers because this is what you need to do for younger believers. The new believer needs acceptance. Because you know what? New Christians have a lot of rough edges. They haven't learned the new Christian vocabulary yet. In fact, they might have a few words left over from their old vocabulary that will pop up now and then. Be patient with them. Be loving toward them. I think of how little I understood when I came to Christ. And thankfully, there were people that were accepting. Number two, a new believer needs assurance. They need assurance. They need to know that they're saved. So we need to assure them. And 1 John 5 says, these things we write to you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. They can know and we need to assure them. And if you're a new believer, we want to assure you as well. Number three, the new believer needs protection. New believers are vulnerable to their own emotions. They don't understand it when they had a sense of euphoria when they accepted Christ and two days later it's gone. Maybe they thought, oh, it will always be this way, but it won't. (laughs) You'll have days where you don't feel anything, right? So we need to say, that's okay, that's normal, nothing bad has happened. Uh, You need to learn how to walk by faith, not by feeling, because the Bible says the just shall live by faith. New believers are also vulnerable to false teachings. We have to ground them in Scripture. And old friends are gonna show up that will try to drag them down. And old girlfriends and 
old boyfriends will suddenly materialize and temptations they never had will suddenly appear. And the new believer, number four, needs fellowship. That's why we want to involve them in our lives. That's why small groups are so good. Because some things are learned in rows and other things are learned in circles where you're together and you can talk about it and you can ask questions. And so we need to bring a new believer into the church. New believers need old believers. Old believers need new believers. Having a new believer in your life can have a reviving effect on you as they discover truths for the first time, you can rediscover them. You stabilize them, they energize you. This is illustrated with spending time with children. Someone asked me in an interview recently, what do you like to do with your free time? And I said, I like to spend time with my grandkids. I call them up or text them, hey, what are you doing? You wanna go somewhere? Yeah, we wanna go do this, Papa. We wanna get ice cream. Then we're going to get ice cream. We wanna walk around in the mall. Let's do it. We wanna do this other thing. Let's do that. See, my job is not to parent them. My job is to grandparent them. Fill them up with sugar and send them on home. <laughs> right? No, but seriously, it's to enter into their life, do what they want to do. You say, well, you know, that's a nice thing for you to do. Actually, I enjoy it. It's good for me too. And I think when you have a new believer in your life, it energizes you as well. You know, some grandparents have collected a lot of things over the years that they have in their home. And they say to the grandkids when they come over, don't touch anything. That's fragile. Don't break that. You know, get rid of all that junk, okay? Put it in a box. No one likes it anyway. <laughs> funky old stuff. Put it away. Go admire it sometime in your own. When your grandkids come in, make your home a welcoming place. And the same is true spiritually. Have a life. Have a lifestyle have a home that's welcoming to new believers. It's good for them and it's good for you. Because a new believer might ask questions that you don't have the answers to. Therefore, you gotta get back in the Bible again. And they'll remind you of things that maybe you have forgotten. Get a new believer that you can help grow spiritually. New believers are the lifeblood of the church. You show me a church that doesn't have a constant flow of new believers in it, and I will show you a church that's beginning to stagnate. As I've said before, we have a choice, evangelize or fossilize. We don't want to live in the past. We rejoice in what God has done, but that's then and this is now. And we want to keep reaching new people and help them come into a relationship with Christ. And that brings us now to what we call the Great Commission, here in Matthew 28. Verse 16, Jesus said to his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all my commands I have given you and be sure of this, says our Lord, I'm with you even to the end of the age. Next point, before I can make a disciple, I have to first be a disciple. Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? And are you discipling someone else? Listen, we should be either discipling someone 
or we should be being discipled by someone. In other words, we should either have a new believer in our life that we're helping out, or we should have an older believer in our life that's helping us out. And guess what? Sometimes you can do both at the same time. You can have someone that's mentoring you, and you can be mentoring somebody else. This is really important, and it's part of what we're called to do. What is the Great Commission? Number one, he says, be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what else are we to do? We're to teach people to obey His commands. And by the way, the Great Commission is a command. In other words, Jesus says, hey, if you can work it out in your busy schedule, would you mind as a personal favor to go into all the world? No, He says, I'm your Lord. I'm your commander. And I command you to go into all the world and preach the gospel. I like to be commanded by Jesus, don't you? That's a great thing to do. I remember years ago, I had the privilege of being asked to be on the board of directors of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association by Billy himself. And so I was brought onto the board. And one day, Billy said, I need a hat. Because Billy was always losing his hats. Craig, he said, I want you to get me a hat. I felt like I was on a mission from God. <laughs> we were in some city where he was doing a crusade. I went down to the local mall and I found a hat store. I think it was called Lids, maybe? And I've never seen so many hats in my life. And I didn't know what his size was. I'm looking and praying, God, give me wisdom. What's the right hat for Billy Graham? And then I finally found a hat. And I went to him, Billy, I got you a hat. So ball cap. He says, thank you. He put it on. The next day there was a picture of him wearing my hat. I said, that's my hat. I got him that hat. <laughs> and then he lost it. So, you know. But, but I, I, I love the fact that Billy Graham said, do this for me. It was my honor. It was my privilege to do anything to help a man of God like that. Now think the Lord Jesus Christ is saying, do this for me. Look at all that I've done for you. Now I want you to do the following. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. It's a command. It's not given to only the original disciples, nor is it given to the so-called professionals alone like pastors or evangelists or missionaries. These words are addressed to every follower of Jesus. They're addressed to you. So here's my question. Are you making disciples? When's the last time you've shared the gospel? When's the last time you've taken a new believer under your wing and helped them to grow spiritually? And this is something for all of us to do. And listen, the calling of God is the enabling of God. He will give you all of the power that you need. Look at verse 18. Jesus says, All power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Go therefore and make disciples. Wait, would you have the power? I don't have it. No, I'm giving it to you says Jesus, go therefore into all the world and make disciples. What does it mean to go and make disciples? It means to lead others to Christ, establish them spiritually, and do it again. It's sort of like wash, rinse, repeat. You've seen that on some direction for cleaning something. Wash, rinse, repeat. Or evangelize, stabilize, immobilize. This is our job. You do it, you do it again, you do it again, and you do it a few more times, and then you keep doing it. It never stops. It's a lifetime commitment. Somewhere along the line, we've separated evangelism from discipleship, but they're really one and the same. The Great Commission is not just gospel proclamation. 
it's follow-up, and it's discipleship. And it would be like a doctor, you know, delivering a baby and then giving the baby a box of Pampers and saying, son, you gotta get out there. It's a rough world, but you'll do okay. <laughs> that baby needs to be cared for. Speaking of babies, a study was conducted in a large hospital and they discovered something interesting. They found that the people working in the nursery noticed that the babies who were in their cribs near the door did better than the babies in the cribs in the other parts of the room. They wondered why. After a careful study, they discovered the nurses were more prone to give attention to the babies near the door as they went about their duties. This is what a new believer needs. They need care. They need attention. You need to take time for them. This is what we're all called to do. In Acts 1-8, Jesus says, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. I'll give you the power you need. And it's interesting the word that Christ uses for power there. It comes from the Greek word dunamis. Dunamis. Which we translate into the word dynamite. You've probably heard of Alfred Nobel because there's something called the Nobel Peace Prize. Did you know that Alfred Nobel was an incredible inventor? And he actually invented something that we now know as dynamite. So during World War I, this was a game changer to have something with that explosive power. And uh, Nobel went to a friend who knew Greek and he said, what is the Greek word for explosion? And the man said, well, it's dunamis. And so Nobel named it dynamite. But the problem was so many lives were taken because of dynamite. Uh, Alfred Nobel decided he didn't want to be known for that. So he developed something called the Nobel Peace Prize, which had a cash prize attached to it that was given to people who worked for the cause of peace. And today we know him more for that. But here's the point. Explosive dynamite power. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power, same word, of God unto salvation. There's power. And you need power. We all need power. We plug our phones in every day. My phone is constantly draining. What about yours? And we plug in our cars now too. We plug in all kinds of things. God wants to infuse you with Holy Spirit power each and every day. The Bible says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And that word that is used there for be filled means be constantly filled over and over and over again. You need refills. But it seems strange to you if uh, you had a car and drove it for maybe a week and then it wasn't running. You took it to the gas station and, and you think, can you fix this car for me? And they would ask you, have you refilled it with gas? Oh, I didn't know about that. No one told me. Yeah, you need to refill your car. Listen, God gives refills. He'll fill you again and again. And you can ask him for that power. So we're gonna close our service today by asking God to give us this power we need to do this job he has called us to do. And this power is available. So we'll pray together and say, Lord, fill us with the Holy Spirit. You wanna do that? Yes. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your promise. Thank you for your calling. Thank you for the privilege of serving you. And you have promised power. You've said you will give the Holy Spirit to those that ask you. 
So we ask now, because Scripture promises, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. So we're asking for this power in our life. Power to be a witness. Power to overcome our fears. Power to take risks for the kingdom of God. Power to share our faith. Power to disciple to take other believers under our wing and be a friend to them, be an example to them, be someone who can mentor them and help them get mature and strong and then go and repeat this process again and again. We see the calling, Lord. We fall short. So we're praying now that you will fill us with your Holy Spirit. Why don't we just pray this together? Just, just pray this after me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Just pray that. There it is. Fill us, Lord. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Today, tonight, tomorrow. Open doors of opportunity for us. Let us be sensitive to your leading. Help us to not quench the Holy Spirit, but help us instead to yield to the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we know that you will guide us and empower us and do things through us that will amaze us. It will just open up. Amen. Pastor Greg Laurie, praying that God would empower us to serve Him properly. Important insights on the dynamic of discipleship today on A New Beginning. Well, next time on A New Beginning, we'll be reminded of the importance of loving God with all our hearts and discover the benefits of that kind of devotion. Today's message from Pastor Greg Laurie was called Discipleship, the next step in following Jesus. If you'd like to listen again, just download the free Vision Christian Media app where it's available as a podcast, along with more inspiring Christian content. Just search your app store for Vision Christian Media. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 